podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone and welcome to the AI Premier League Preview Show. After a narrow win over Jürgen's mate Dave last weekend, the Reds welcome newly promoted Cardiff to Anfield this weekend. So joining me for the pod to help preview this game this week, I'm delighted to be wel- um, to welcome on Cardiff fan Steve Alul and AI contributor Tadiwa Chanakira. Welcome, guys. Good evening for having us. Hi there. No, good to speak with you again, guys. Uh, Steve, um, great to speak with you as well, uh, uh, of course, about... Uh, about Cardiff, plenty to talk about. I think on this pod for sure. Um, I mean, the, the Huddersfield preview we did before this was was quite an interesting one, in in that I think uh, plenty of Liverpool fans looking at this stretch of fixtures, um, thinking of it as oh, it's, it's going to be slightly easier for us. Yeah, it, it should be rather than City, Tottenham, um, all, all the sides that we, we we played so far. Of course, that wasn't really the case against Huddersfield. We seem to make hard work against it. So I'm sure it's going to be interesting to see whether we do uh, similar when uh, Cardiff arrive at Anfield this weekend. But um, to start with you, Steve. I mean, of course, you just you just picked up your first win of the season against uh, against Fulham, who are quickly establishing themselves as a historically bad defensive uh, side to be um, newly promoted. Of course, um, that even looks like an early six pointer, to be honest, given sort of how um, how both your um, both your guys' form has been from the start of the season. Um, but what I want to ask you first off was what you made of that performance and whether that win. Um, you'd been unlucky not to pick that up sooner, um, do you think, this season? Yeah, I mean, in terms of the game itself, could hello again, um, I thought we started well. First 10 minutes, bossed the game, had most possession, created a couple of decent chances, uh, pressed Fulham high up the pitch. We knew their defence was suspect, so, you know, we were getting the ball in, in offensive areas. And then out of the blue, you know, uh, one of their key signings in the summer, Andrew Schiller, scores a world in. You know, we just got to dust ourselves down and go again. Um, Josh Murphy uh, scored an excellent equaliser, great individual goal. Um, and for the first time this season, I think a ball broke our way to allow Bobby Reed in one-on-one with uh, their keeper, Bettinelli. So we went up 2-1 up, undeservedly so, so on a balance of play, I thought. Um, but, you know, it was 35 minutes of you know quite a physical effort from the from the guys um you know buoyed by the crowd as well but um we sort of let our foot off the gas a little bit fulham sort of started to boss the midfield a bit more and um they scored a well-crafted equalizer through uh Cessignon. um i felt our keeper neil etheridge could have done more in terms of commanded his area a bit more uh to, to close ryan Cessignon down before the for the, the chance was created, but okay, two all half time. Um, but it was more the second half as well. I thought we played very well second half. Um, our makeshift striker, Callum Patterson, uh, turned on a sixpence and guided a ball at slow motion pace into the corner beyond the Fulham keeper. And uh, with a few minutes to go, Kadeem Harris sort of sealed the victory, a well deserved one. On a balanced play, I thought we were, we were excellent all game. Um, just a couple of other points to note about the, the match itself. It was the return of the Icelandic captain, Aaron Gunnarsson. Uh, first game of the season back from injury. He sort of helped sort of steal our, our midfield. Uh, it was much needed after Joe Rawls' uh, suspension at, at Tottenham. And uh, the guy who's 
keeps impressing from my perspective is the guy we had on loan from Royal Betis, Victor Camarasa, uh, a wonderful midfield player, um, sort of not in the Warnock mould, I hasten to add. He can play a bit, he doesn't mind getting his foot in, and, you know, he sees a pass and a goal. So, yeah, I think uh, in terms of the full and game, well deserved. In terms of the early season, I think um, probably the best opportunity we had for a three points would have been at Huddersfield's second game of the season. We drew nil-nil. Uh, we probably gave Huddersfield a bit too much respect. Uh, they got a man sent off early in the second half and we started creating more chances as a result. Uh, but I, I think we just, just failed. I think what was evident is we just didn't have that quality in the final third, really. And I think that's just going to be emblematic for the most most of the season. Arsenal, we played well, you know, against an Emery team just sort of finding its feet. So, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, they probably deserve to win on a day, but we get, we gave them a scare or two at home. Um, the game I was probably more frustrated about than any of them in terms of against some of the biggest sides we played this season was was the, the game at Spurs at Wembley. We lost 1-0, and I thought, you know, we played really well there. Um we hit the post, we got one cleared off the line, never out of the game all, all 90 minutes really. And, uh, I thought that was a, a really good performance. And, uh, obviously we played for more than half an hour of that game, uh, with 10 men. Um, so yeah, I mean, all in all, um, I mean, the other thing I wanted to add at this point was really to say that in terms of Cardiff's start to the season, after we played Liverpool on Saturday, we would have played six of the top seven from last season. So it's not been an easy start for us either. I mean, I think they're going on about Newcastle's start being pretty hard. I don't think ours has been easy either. So I think all in all, I think we're pretty much on par with what we expected at the start of the season. Yeah, of course. I remember in that post-match interview after the Huddersfield game, Klopp sort of labouring the point about what sort of hard start Huddersfield had had. Of course, looking through your fixture list um, prior to the pod, I was... Um, not shocked to see Arsenal's or Chelsea, Tottenham City, though, you know, tough, tough games for a new, new promoted side to take yeah. on. Um, obviously the four goals against Fulham, um, uh, goals have been an issue, um, for the start of the season. Only eight so far. You mentioned that's probably going to continue to the, is that purely down to lack of quality up top or is there, um, been, I mean, I mean, Gunnarsson obviously is a key player coming back into the team, but he's not yeah. helping you from a creative no, sense. I, I, Absolutely, and and the way we're set up, and uh, we'll, we can talk. We'll talk about some of our players, and and you know it's been uh, many a debate over many a jar after after the games this season. But um, we are set up really to to not leak too many goals. So um, we are playing invariably with one up front, um, and it it sort of demonstrates what issues we have got up front when. Our main striker coming into this season, Kenza Hall, can't even get a game these days because we're not seeing the effort from him. You know, he's a physical specimen. He should be creating a lot more havoc for defences. You know, I see him in a sort of Troy Deeney, Mitrovic type role mode for us, but he's not doing that for us in any way, shape or form. So therefore we, we are using the right back we signed from Hearts last year, Callum Patterson, in that sort of target man role because he puts himself about, he wins headers. Um, but that said, because we're sort of geared up to try and, you know, 
keeping games, keep it tight. Um, we are reliant on um, our pacier players to actually break forward and see if we can score on a counter. And that's going to be pretty much sort of, uh, you know, the, the, the sort of the way we're, we're likely to set it for the remainder of the season. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I mean, one thing I was going to actually mention and uh, discuss was, I think, when you have tough starts to a season like this, um, very often the manager's position comes under scrutiny, even for sort of sides where the manager's been so perhaps integral to actually mm. getting you promoted in the yeah, first sure. place. Quickly, that seems to turn. Um, I mean, people sort of looking at Fulham's manager right now and just seeing how long he may he may last, just because of the sort of the sheer nature of the problems he's having there defensively. Um, with Warnock, I mean, you mentioned the Warnock mould there. Um, it's a well established mould <laughs> over many, <laughs> over many many years. Um, but uh, I want to ask you: Was do you think um, your start to the season could have been helped by maybe a uh, different tactical decisions by Warnock, or do you think that you know, that that's not really to be expect from him, given what he's done that's g- achieved you success in the past, sure. last season as well, and what you sort of expect from him in general? Well, I mean, he's an enigma. He's a one-off. Um, I mean, when when he took, I think we need a bit of background. And when he, when he took over at Cardiff, we were in the bottom three of the championship, and in the course of eighteen months, he's got us promoted. Um, there is a style. There is a there is a style he plays, and it's all about being tight to the back. Um, it's not necessarily about Route One itself. I mean, I can give you examples of goals we've scored this year. I, I think of the one against Burnley, where we do play football and bring it down, but we play football in the right areas, and I, I think that's where a lot of people are, are sort of are not very complimentary about Cardiff City, insofar as they think it's. It's all up and at him, hoof ball. It's not necessarily. It's just playing football in the right areas. Um, and, uh, you know, I can't be critical of our centre-backs because they try and play football sometimes and they're not Revellino. Uh, you know, I wish they would just, you know, just get rid sometimes and, and play further up the pitch. Uh, so, you know, when we got promoted, you know, within 10 minutes of him leaving a pitch and a pitch celebrations, he... He went into a press conference and he pretty much set our expectations there and then. We knew we were going to have much money to spend. The owner has got burnt before when taking the team up into the Premier League. He spent a lot of money on wages and transfer fees on players we never heard of. Just turned out to be a complete waste of time and a massive financial resource on the club. The owner doesn't want to do that again. And I think the, the despite Warnock's slight concerns, I think he's taken it on board and he's taken the fans with him. So I hear very few dissenting voices where we're concerned in terms of tactics or otherwise. Um, there could be the odd marginal decision about, you know, he could have done this better or that better this season in terms of some of the games. But I don't think it would have made that, that much a great deal of difference. It may have got us a point or two extra, but nothing too much extra. So I think pretty much to a man i would say we're all on board with the warnock bandwagon so to speak and long may it continue because you know those with short memories will regret it the day he does leave the club yeah and i think it's uh, it, it's always interesting to watch because i think you mentioned there the context around the situation the context around his um his appointment what he's done since then um, but it is i mean it's 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 so amazing to sort of watch time and time again managers even have that connection have that context whilst the fans may still be on side 
um, you know, just how quickly things can turn up. I'm, I'm not sort of foreshadowing things for him at all, of course, but it is just a seems to be sort of come with the Premier League territory, really, doesn't it? To be honest, uh, but... to- totally, and I agree with that, Harry. And the the only thing I would say is the only pressure that I think you know Warnock will be under is is from is from the owner himself. I think he's got the he's got a really good chairman who supports him to a T in uh, Mehmet Dalman. But if anyone's going to come under pressure from a Warnock perspective, if anyone's going to put pressure on Neil Warnock from, from his perspective, it's going to be Vincent Tan. And, but, you know, I think Warnock's already set, you know, the sort of expectations. I think we've spent under £30 million in a whole of the transfer window. Okay, we added a couple of loan signings on deadline day as well which were uh, a godsend, if you ask me. We could talk about those as well. Um, but I, I do think, uh, you know, going back to Warwick's press conference post-promotion, he did sort of say he would add good championship players or, you know, or if good premiership players, experienced premiership players came at the right price, we would add to it. But he did want to take away the sort of the, the, the nucleus of the squad, the squad that got us up. The camaraderie and team spirit we had um, on and off the pitch, really. I mean, the fans loved it. We were surprised that, you know, we were in such a, a lofty position last season. Um, and I think we've got to be realistic. Uh, we're going to struggle all season. You know, um, you know, the name of the game, as far as any Cardiff fan will tell you now, is finishing 17th. We finished 17th. The job has been done. No, of course. And if you sort of steer clear of Sam Allardyce in that pursuit of 17th as well. I think you'd be also very happy about that as well. We've, we've already talked about that. And, have you? And <laughs> heaven forbid if Big Sam ever came across Cardiff City, that would be... It was nearly... Yeah, the only other thing that frightens me more than Sam Allardyce was the thought of Al, uh, Alan Shearer at one stage being touted as our next manager before Malky Mackay came on the scene. So, yeah, um, heaven forbid. <laughs> Alan Shearer, geez, well... Um, I know, I know. You mentioned some of the, the summer business there, and I think yeah. one of the things I, I, I often heard about um, Cardiff in sort of the previews of um, all the teams coming into this uh, Premier League season, and you often hear sort of the unkind stuff when, you, when you're listening to sort of the more, um, uh, you know, not balanced, but you know, the sort of overarching sort of Premier League observers, and, and talking about Cardiff and going, well, look, it looks like a championship squad. As you mentioned yourself, the championship players, there's a tight nucleus there. Uh, you know, the team spirit that Warnock was sort of keen on maintaining. Um, again, with the, the two sort of most prominent signings who came in in the window, Josh Murphy and Bobby Reed, probably. Um, again, championship retaining that nucleus, um, retaining that sort of, I guess, work ethic that Warnock demands of his sides. Um, but often you know, people are looking at promoted sides and going, well, you should have spent more, you should have, you should have done this, you should have done that. You, look at, you can look at Fulham, for example, uh, spent, mm. some, spent some money there. Um, undoubtedly on talented players, but perhaps have neglected areas where they needed to focus on. Um, Wolves, are, I think, are a slightly different case, of course, because it is such a unique sort of situation that's going on there, to be honest. Um, but um, people often look at teams, and when they, when the money's not spent, um, they think, oh, these guys are, you know, they're guaranteed to struggle or whatever. Um, you mentioned some of the loan signings that came in towards the end of the window there. So I guess, was in the end, was it numbers that was worrying you? Um, as you approach the end of the window? Uh, it was numbers and obviously a bit of quality with that. Um, 
I we were. I think we were. Ha- I think in terms of our defensive unit, our defensive back four or back six. You know, in terms of we added uh, in terms of the, we we added Greg Cunningham, a Republic of Ireland sort of left back, uh, good championship defender. Again, I know we're harping on about the championship, but uh, impressed me when I've ever seen him play for Preston against us. But in terms of um, in terms of our two main sort of financial signings, Josh Murphy. I think it's been the pick so far. He's been an excellent signing. Signed from Norwich. Uh, I think his brother is his twin brothers is a player to Newcastle. Um, I think the sort of performances he's been putting in, you know, since the since you know he's been getting a regular run out for us. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if I don't know. This may be a, a, overstated a bit, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's getting if he gets an England call up in the near future in a. In a potential friendly or a, or a nation, you know, a nation's league game. I think, you know, his he has ability, he has pace, he's got an eye for goal, he can deliver a ball, he can take a player on. Um, so, you know, he is a multi-threat. And, um, you know, as I alluded to earlier, uh, Warnock's got this way we want to play in terms of counter-attack and hitting teams on the break. And he was a great addition to allow Warnock to play with a bit more pace in the Premier League. It's just a shame now that our other sort of very rapid player in terms of Nathaniel Mendes-Lang is sort of out really until around Christmas time with a, an ACL injury. Um, the one that we find it a bit mystifying in terms of a signing is, is the Bobby Reid signing from Bristol City. Um, a great championship player again, scored I think 20-odd goals last season in Bristol City. Um, but we wonder when we talk about Bobby Reed whether or not it was a bit of a panic signing from Warnock because uh, he felt he needed a striker. We were trying, from all accounts, to get it, Troy Deeney, but we agreed a fee with with Watford in the summer, but we couldn't agree personal terms with him. Uh, I understand he was on an astronomical amount of money way, way outside our wage structure. Um, so he, he got hold of Bobby Reed, but because of the way we play in terms of trying to get the ball up front and then playing off, off a sort of a, a lone front man, it, it's very difficult to get Bobby into the game for any prolonged period. And with Bobby being, I think, quite a confidence player, I just wonder how we can best use him in, in the Premier League. And I wonder whether or not that's a sort of signing at Warnock thinking, well, if I go down, I've got a ready-made championship striker in the offing, you know, so I don't need to worry about that if I go down. And don't get me wrong, he, uh, he, 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 he works tirelessly for the team. Uh, you know, he does track back. He does sort of, you know, it's the front line of defense. Um, but we're not seeing enough sort of enough of Bobby Reed with the ball in his feet. And and that is, I suppose, something that um, we need to sort of work out how to do that. But at the moment, you know, things are a bit difficult when you're playing the likes of Arsenal, Chelsea, Man City and Spurs, to name but a few of the teams we played over the, over the first couple of months. Um, and uh, so in terms of our loan players, I mean, Harry Arter... Uh, a known player from Bournemouth, Republic of Ireland International, uh, works tirelessly in midfield, can can spot a pass as well, and he's got a bit of a steely edge. 
So uh, I think he's racked up already sort of four yellow cards this season. So uh, he's on the verge of a suspension. And, um, you know, someone I've already mentioned is Victor Camarasa, you know, the guy we, we brought in from Real Betis, um, by far our best player this season. And uh, I think he would gross quite a few teams in the Premier League. Um, so, yeah, just really delighted with the, you know, the last day business that Warnock uh, did in order to sort of bolster the sort of quality in the midfield I think we needed. And that's, 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 um, it, it's sort of, it's helped us because I think we have been very competitive in a vast majority of games we've played this season. I would only say the Man City game of note was one where we were completely outclassed. And I think probably 14 or 15 of the Premier League teams would probably be outclassed by Man City. So it's no real embarrassment there, to be to be honest. And the games like Man City and the ones on Saturday against Liverpool are not going to be the games that determine our season. It's the games like last Saturday against Fulham, the games against Newcastle, Burnley and the like that will determine where we end up this season. No, of course. I think it's yes, it's, it's definitely wiser to be looking at those sort of stretch of fixtures um, and prioritising getting points from them. Um, Obviously, of course, you, know, you mentioned that being competitive in those games against the bigger sides as well um, is never going to do you any harm, especially in terms of confidence amongst the group as well. I mean, a question I have there about Cardiff then, I mean, in order for Cardiff to be successful this season, um, aside from scoring goals and not conceding too many goals, you know, the basics, etc. <laughs> I mean, who is who would you say or what area of the pitch would you say is going to be absolutely integral for you um, in order to uh, actually... Uh, get that 17th place. Is it the yeah. bettest player you already highlighted or is it um, somebody else? No, I, th- I, I think it's going to be a combination of, of, of Camarasa, you know, the better, the bettest player we've got in on loan. I think he's going to be instrumental in terms of, you know, providing that bit of quality when we need it in the, in the upper third of the pitch. He's been a, a provider and a scorer already this season. Um, but I do think, we do need a goal scorer and this is where we may need to look in terms of sort of January. coming into January already insofar as um, what do we do in that area and how do we go about it now I think a lot of that will depend on where we sit at the table if we're sort of still in touch and you know in, in, the, in the pack, so to speak, as opposed to being sort of isolated and completely rock bottom. Then there may be some talk about Tan putting some investment in, to, in order to, to get, you know, that sort of quality striker. Um, there has been some paper talk recently about someone you may know called Edin Dzeko wanted to come back to the Premier League. And for some reason, his name has been linked with us. It's just a uh, massive desire to play under Daniel Warnock before his career's finished. That's, uh, uh, that's what he's after. Well, if that's the case, then we'd be happy to take him on <laughs> for uh, for half a season. But I'm not sure again if um, Mr. Tan will be willing to splash out his wage bill, even on loan from the likes of Roma. So I wouldn't put too much hope on that. But we do need we we do need. Um, uh, and uh, you know a a, a striker, um, someone like Mitrovic would have would have fitted our bill very well as well. From a you know the guy that Fulham I think have now permanently signed, if not, I'm not mistaken. Um, 
so yeah, we we do. That's the area we need, and and possibly another attacking midfielder. Um, in terms of helping create chances, and I don't necessarily think that the attacking midfield options we've got now are sufficient enough or of enough quality to uh, to 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 actually get us over the line, so to speak. I think it'll be a hard slog with the squad we've got. Um, yeah, so so yeah, I, I I think the club will make a rational and practical and pragmatic decision fundamentally based on where they are, you know, at the start of the, the loan window, at the start of the January window, whether or not it's loan signings or permanent signings or neither. I mean, that is something that could well happen as well. You know, not, not because of Warnock. Warnock thinks that they don't need anyone, but again, the owner may think that he doesn't want to add any, any more investment in, into the squad uh, doesn't want to invest anymore. So that could well be a, a hindrance from, from a, a Warnock perspective as well. So let, let's wait and see, but uh, I'm not expecting anything. If you're asking me, I think loan signings are the likely route, um, but who do you get in? You probably, you may, you may get a decent championship striker in with a view to a permanent deal. If, we stay up or, or something to that effect. Um, but looking at, you know, the, the ventures into the, the Spanish and the foreign markets that we've had, it may be worthwhile looking, looking abroad for, um, for, for obviously for, uh, for the, for the right deal. And you may get more bang for your buck that way. Yeah. It's one to watch for sure. I think, especially I'm sure the owners and, um, the board will assess it based upon where you are. I guess come the midway point, of course, of the season and uh, act accordingly. But I mean, focusing on what you'd mentioned there about sort of where the key strengths of the team lie, where some of the deficiencies currently lie. Um, if, if we're being sort of ominous about it, of course, Liverpool have sort of over over the years, um, especially recently, has been known for. Uh, yeah, being a really good, um, exciting attacking side, but you know, having the ability to lead goals, um, being a bit more susceptible defensively than um, than they would like. Um, I was sort of a, a little bit surprised um, myself when I was looking back at the record. Now that it has been since since March that we've not conceded a Premier League goal um, at Anfield, um, I believe, which maybe this is nonsense, um, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, that's very hard for me to swallow personally because I mean it's, it's still hard. For, I think all Liverpool fans are. It's a form of therapy. We're gradually getting used to the idea of having a good defence, a goalkeeper who we barely mention, um, you know, centre backs who don't sort of bottle every corner or set piece that comes in. It's, uh, <laughs> it's 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 taken a while. But based upon what you know of our strengths and and these new strengths, I mean, how do you think Warnock's going to approach the game at the weekend? How has he approached uh, sort of similar games against the bigger sides so far this season? Uh, well. One school of thought could be you could put eleven men on the line and let's just hope for the best. Um, but seriously, I think away from home we will set up very defensively, and I think the name of the game will be like do we set up at Chelsea? Really, we we will sit deep. We will allow the home team to have the majority of possession, um, and it will be a question of you trying to unlock our defence. 
Um, and obviously, you know, uh, I'm not sure what Jurgen's going to put out on Saturday. Uh, I understand there's some key injuries uh, that he mentioned there. I think Henderson maybe out. Keita's not ready yet, potentially. Um, so I I do think you may have a similar team, if not the same team, as, as you put out against Huddersfield. Um, and it's probably going to be one of those games where Cardiff will have very little possession, um, soak up a lot of pressure, a lot of tracking, a lot of running without the ball, and to see uh, see if we get the opportunity to sort of counter counter attack and break with the likes of Josh Murphy. We probably will bring Junior Hoylet back into the team for this game on on Saturday. Uh, and I'm not sure who else he's going to play up front. Now, whether or not he plays Patterson still as a target man, or is this the opportunity to play sort of Bobby Reed in that sort of role, uh, you know, from just a pace point of view to assist in any counter-attacking? Um, I'm not too sure. But I think our options are very limited, and I will go back to what I said earlier. Um, you know, these are the sort of games that we're not expecting to get much out of, uh, these are the games that are not going to define our season. I think you'll hear Warnock saying the same. I think it's pretty much, and I know it sounds really sad to say, but it's more of a damage limitation exercise before we even kick off. No, of course. I mean, I, I think it's going to be an interesting test. I mean, this, this sitting yeah. deep defensively yeah. out of the field. Um... I mean, I mean you know, sorry, I was going to say, the only thing I would add to that is, you know, we have got, you know, we are known for our set pieces. I know, you know, you've got a very, you know, you know, steady centre-back partnership now, or, you know, you can interchange. You seem to have uh, a bit of height at the back as well. We're not only Virgil, but, you know, Lovren and Gomez is not exactly short either, is he? So, you know, I wonder if, uh, you know, Warnock's thinking about that as well, about who he puts into his team to see if that's a potential area that we could potentially exploit given the opportunities. But we need to create, you know, the the chances to, to get set pieces in advanced areas in order to try and exploit that. But, I mean, that's the only other area I can really think of that we could give Liverpool any sort of potential for concern on Saturday. Tadewa, just to bring you in, I mean, obviously, ordinarily, we do sort of these more um, um, match-specific sort of preview portion of the pod right towards the end, but I know uh, Steve's got to leave us, not, um, hasn't got long um, before he's got to shoot off. So just talking about that challenge in particular, I mean, we, we see it at Anfield quite a lot over the recent years, you know, um, sides um, from, from the low half of the table coming to Anfield, sitting deep, being compact, being defensive, being stubborn, it used to be a test that frustrated us a huge amount. Um, and as Steve mentioned there already, there are certain players who are going to be out for this game. Um, so, I mean, how do you think um, Klopp is going to try and tackle um, sort of the proposition that Cardiff uh, um, give us on on the, on the weekend? I, I think a lot of it actually rests on Cardiff and how they approach the game. Obviously, there has been mentioned the fact that they they're likely to sit back. But, um, you know, the the question of which type of striker they go with, do they go with the target man or is Reed the better option of having that pace in the channels? I think 
if they have someone that can hold the ball up um, up front, not necessarily a target man, but maybe Reed, as as mentioned, who can run the channels, looking at trying to pick up the spaces of where our fullbacks will inevitably bomb forward, try and hit the balls into those areas. If they do get some sort of rest. Uh, for for their players in those situations where they get little free kicks or are able to win throw-ins far up the field. I think that could be key for Cardiff in this game because I I can see it being a really long game. And if everything is bouncing back from their striker or whoever's playing up front, I think it could just end up being a really, really long onslaught from us. Um, Interestingly enough, I think... It's going to be a different, you know, um, a lot of people have compared Man City and Liverpool this season. Obviously, Man City being probably more of a finished product than Liverpool. But I think it's going to be slightly different in terms of Man City. They will sit on the edge of your box and pass it around and basically have to concentrate in that sense. Whereas Liverpool will pass the ball backwards if they don't see that an opportunity opportunity has been opened so it's going to be more about making sure that your defensive shape is correct when when we do pass the ball back to our center backs and then look for those quick passes either into our strikers or into our fullbacks going wide which seems to be what has been more successful for us rather than necessarily passing the ball around the box yeah i think you mentioned that as well i mean um Last season, when Coutinho was still here, that sort of patient approach that we sort of got, got used to with the knowledge that that incisive pass was coming, um, it seemed like we started to find the formula to sort of break down sides like you know, Cardiff if, if they were to adopt that approach. But now, of course, Cater not being there, um, the midfielders we have quite kind of workmanlike, kind of more, more attritional players. It's going to be interesting for sure. I mean, um, Steve, to, to bring it back in again, I mean, Looking at Liverpool, there's lots of players, of course, who you could highlight some of the obvious names uh, as, as the key danger men. Um, but based on what you've seen so far this season, I mean, it hasn't quite hit the full sort of attacking verve that we had last season yet. Mm. Um, uh, who, who do you look at and think um, they're you know, they're the ones we need to focus on, or is it just a case yeah. of sort of dragging the duvet as uh, as uh, wide no, as you can? There, there is a bit of that. I think there is a bit of the duvet drag, but. Um... One signing I have, uh, when when it when uh, I heard he was signing for you, I I was quite. I thought, what an astute signing, and he he's tailored made for a game like this on Saturday. I think from a Liverpool perspective, and that's and that's Shakiri. I think Shakiri's the sort of player who can sort of he's got that bit of individual ability that can unlock, you know, a workman. And I will have to say, it's a workman like defence like Cardiff. I mean, and, and this is what we're up against at, at this level. Um, you know, we can be as, uh, you know, prepared as we want to against any of the top teams, but you need that little bit of sort of, it is the, the sort of intrinsic, there's the intangible that Shakiri brings. And, uh, and if he wants to, he can, he can sort of rule the roost on Saturday. And, and he's the sort of player I worry about on Saturday. More than more than most, actually, from a Liverpool perspective. No, I think given how he how he started the season, the, the bits and pieces we've seen of him, especially last game as well, um, he's a player. I think lots of Liverpool fans are looking to to sort of fill the void of creativity, a bit of ingenuity mm. as well. Whilst we have, you know, whilst Cater you know, gets back to fitness, and also I think just gets up to full confidence. I think that's really the thing with Cater, you know, this big, brash, dynamic player who we knew. Uh, we sort of expected him to come in, you know, grab the number eight shirt and just be cocky and 
uh, and, and sort of really dynamic in how he's played, but uh, there's been sort of a, a reserve nature to how he's played. Maybe he's sort of aware of the system he's playing in, conscious of that. You know, he's, he's not the um, necessarily guaranteed that starting position. So I think he's yet to really blossom there. Um, so at the moment, yeah, I mean, seeing Shakiri in midfield against Huddersfield last weekend did sort of you know, emphasize that we are looking for that spark, looking for that player who can unlock a defense, like you mentioned, it will work on like defense, like, um, mm. like Cardiff's. I mean, to tell you what, I mean, based on what Steve mentioned there about, um, Cardiff, um, and, and their approach for the game, um, you know, we've obviously talked about you know, goals have been an issue, but you know, they're coming off this win 4-2 against Fulham. Um, there's going to be some confidence there, of course. How, how do you think they can potentially hurt us in this game? Cause we, we talked about Liverpool's, you know, like, really impressive record. At Anfield, of course, um, with that no Premier League goal, was it since March or whatever? Um, defensively, we have improved, but do you do you see a way in which they can still hurt us? Um, I think obviously it's harder executing this than saying it, but that first fifteen minutes, I think, is really really key for Cardiff. If they can keep um, Liverpool out for that first fifteen minutes. Um, because that's usually when the crowd is really up for it. The game's just started, you know, cheering the team on. That's when the frustration maybe starts to creep in after about 15 minutes. Is it, you know, people start to question, is it going to be one of those days? And as long as Cardiff are within one goal um, heading into the last 20 minutes, they can sort of just then throw everything at it. But in terms of execution and how they would go about doing that, yes, they we do have a work like midfield this season and Shakiri, if he comes in he's going to be adopting that you know Oxley Chamberlain role that he that he started to to sort of mold towards the end of last season where he's going to be the link between our midfield and our attack so looking out for if Shakiri does start maybe not necessarily man marking him but being careful of he's going to be turning in and around you know, that half space between midfield and defense and then trying to drive forward, just paying special attention to him. And then also, as I mentioned earlier, that out ball is really, really key for Cardiff. I think it would be better suited to them not to have the out ball going directly down the middle of the field because I think you can't go down Virgil van Dijk's side because, I mean, heading um, his competitive heading is pretty, pretty high up there in terms of certain backs and... I'm pretty sure he would win his fair share. So you're going to be looking maybe at Gomez or Lovren's side of the field, whoever starts next to Van Dyke. But once again, Lovren is pretty competent in the air. That's not one of his faults, you know. So if he starts, you're not going to win much there either. Gomez, you could maybe argue to win something there. But the key is when our fullbacks go forward, when Trent Alexander-Arnold or Andrew Robertson or whoever it is that is playing on those you know, wing-back sort of positions we'd like to call maybe at home, you guys have to look to put the ball into those spaces and have a willing person up front that can run into those channels, try and drag our centre-backs out of that centre part of the field. And as I said, try either you're looking to win the free kicks there, try and get throw-ins up the field just to give the defence a bit of a respite. Otherwise, it's going to be a long onslaught. And then obviously... You know, with those set pieces, trying to make them count when they when when they do get them. Mm. Of course, I mean, actually, sounds like Taddy was got a pretty good game plan for you there, <laughs> Stephen. Yeah, yeah. I, should, uh, I should pass this on to Neil <laughs> um, when I see him before the game. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, Stephen, obviously, I'm conscious of 
of your time and, and you having to shoot off. But just before you do go, I just want to ask whether you could uh, could spare us a prediction for for the weekend's game. Yeah, uh, go light on us. Um, <laughs> I think it will be. I think we'll we will not win. <laughs> I think that's safe to say. I think it will be Liverpool three, Cardiff nil. Okay, I mean that that's obviously going to um, uh, appeal to most of the Liverpool fans <laughs> listening to this part, of course. So. Uh, but you know, as I said, it's you know, let's be realistic about it. I I just I I think I know Teddy Waller is 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 giving us a a game plan as such, but I think uh, you know from an observational point of view, you know the ball will be pinging back towards our defence quite regularly. I would think, and um, and. Interestingly enough, I, th- I know there was a lot of discussion around the Huddersfield game where the where it was sort of observed that the Liverpool team didn't necessarily sort of use the high press as much as as normal. But you would think with the um, with the crowd behind them and everything that they will they will expect they will expect a number of goals. I would have thought on Saturday. So um, I think I think Warnock is going to be a realistic as well. I think as long as we don't come out of there completely embarrassed. I think we would have done all right, to be fair, because we've got, I, I don't mean this disrespectfully, but we've got bigger fish to fry in terms of, of games against teams in and around our area later in the season. No, of course. Anyway, and Steve, thanks so much for that insight on Cardiff. I mean, it has been really interesting to hear, and um, um, especially what you what you feel is necessary for you guys to achieve your sort of goal of, of staying in the league this season. Um, especially even, even your opinions on sort of, Liverpool and, and, and the key players to watch out for on the weekend. So yeah, thanks so much for yeah, thanks, gents, and uh, good luck on well, good luck on Saturday. I'll say that through gritted teeth, but uh, all the best for the rest of the season as well. Absolutely, thanks so much, Steve. Thanks. Take care. Cheers. So thanks very much to Steve, of course, and. Uh, some great insight there from Steve actually on Cardiff, wasn't it, Tadawa? But um, I think um. What he was alluding to towards the end there, and in terms of sort of um, yeah, Warnock even accepting something like a two nil or three nil, that is of course that, that 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 is the mindset of course that we we're hoping teams are arriving at Anfield with when they arrive this um, uh, this season because of course it lends itself to us not having to be as mad as we've been in the past in order to win games at home. Um, just before we get into that again, I mean, what's your overarching view of uh, of that Huddersfield performance um, and? Uh, Sort of the dysfunction that we saw was it inevitable given the changes to the team? Yeah, I, I do think people don't put enough emphasis on changes in the team. You know, at this level, they need to be playing almost instinctively. And when you have players who you're not really sure next to you, you know, what whether they're going forward, whether they're coming short to collect a ball, that kind of does affect the fluidity of the game. But I suppose the argument on the opposite the side of that is that these guys are professionals and they train with each other every day so they should um we do expect a certain level of performance from them and look i I don't think liverpool are currently playing you know attacking wise the the football that we would love Liverpool to be playing at maybe at this stage of the season but there are quite a few factors going towards that you know have we put more weight towards the defensive side of the game does that make an impact also maybe even the impact of Buvac not being 
you know, uh, at Klopp's side, he he was involved with a lot of the attacking drills. So maybe the the style of build up of attack that we would we were familiar with last season has slightly changed, and you could see, you know, especially towards the end of the second half, there were quite a few passes and, and last minute decisions that our our forward players were were making mistakes with. So does that also play a factor in terms of the drills in their build up, how they've been practicing it? Maybe it's a bit it's slightly different to what they might necessarily be used to. No, certainly. I, I think you, you raised the point there about them being professionals and um, there is the assumption, of course, that players can come in, be effective, be um, uh, more precise in their passing, for sure. I think that that's one thing that's definitely been highlighted from that Huddersfield game. Um, just how, at times for me, I was on the post-match Royal show, I, I got really frustrated with a number of the players and just how, I mean, it seemed like a few of them had been on the lash, to be honest, in terms of just the way in which they were passing the ball. Bobby, when he came off the bench, I was like, I'm almost certain you've been you've been somewhere or, or, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Just the way in which he was missing simple passes, getting into great positions, but just missing the simple passes. So to talk more broadly then, you alluded to it a little bit there, but our performances so far this season, um, the guys in the under pressure pod, I mean, really um, drilled down into the sort of the numbers, the analysis on, on our performances this season. You know, defensively, it's elite. It really is more. It's probably better than we've seen for a very, very long time. Um, defensively, and it's hard because I think for a long time we've looked at this Liverpool team over the years and thought, oh, why can't we just be a little bit more boring or whatever? Just if it was to actually lead to eventual success. And now we've gotten so used to Klopp, the style of play, the attacking verve, that when it's not been there immediately so far this season, yeah, you know, we come a little bit frustrated about that, you know, a little bit underwhelmed. We shouldn't forget that you know so far the return this season has been outstanding. I mean, what have you made of the performances and, and I guess the results so far this season? I think at the beginning of the season, you sort of just want to get going. You just want to get the results in. Uh, the important thing is, you know, you you can't maybe you can't win a league title at the beginning of the season, but you can certainly lose it. And maybe we could point at you know a Man United or someone who have struggled at the beginning and, you know, fans are already talking about being out of the title race in that sense. But I think now we're getting to that stage, you know, I, I like to think of it maybe between November to February where performances do start to play a factor in some of these, um, how you see results. Um, I think we look at last year, I think it was round about the same time when Liverpool really started to kick off. It was that that Maribor game where it seemed like the shackles sort of got released a little bit and we didn't look back from there. So hopefully it's something that that gets mirrored maybe in, in the Champions League game coming this week. But I do think from a performance perspective, defensively, we have to be absolutely chuffed with the way we have been defensive. And as you alluded to earlier, it's still something that us fans are getting used to. It, I'm, I'm definitely not used to saying Liverpool are good defensively, but obviously, if you look at the performances, especially at Anfield, and even this season, we've only conceded, I think, three goals this season, which is pretty unheard of, unless we were talking maybe Rafa era and, and under Liverpool. But ever since then, it's been sort of more attack first and defence. So I do think if you you are becoming better defensively. You do maybe have to take into consideration that you are going to not, not, maybe not score as many goals at the beginning of this defensive surge. I think once the team is 
now accustomed to, okay, we are stable defensively. We know what we're doing. Everyone knows their roles. Maybe there might be a bit more license to go forward for some of the players. And also, I think we have been hampered by creativity in midfield. I do think, you know, we, we always had at least one midfielder that was that link between attack and midfield or attack and defense. If some people like to see it that way, who was the driving force in midfield carried maybe carried the ball towards our attacking players had that final pass in the final third just to unlock you know a defense and that allowed our our front guys to run onto balls and maybe putting it into the net instead of necessarily doing all the work themselves the creative work that is and if you look at our team this season you know Oxley Chamberlain that's a big loss he was fulfilling that role really well towards the end of last season you know Liverpool didn't sign a number 10 was that you know you know what it, that is arguably a factor with regards to the creativity up front and then also if you look at you know the player that as as you mentioned who maybe most fans thought would be the player to fulfill that role in Naby Keita he came with a very very big reputation but also we have to take into consideration that players adapt to different leagues at different times you know um People saw Salah last season just come straight back into the Premier League and look like he had never played football in another league. He had been in the Premier League his whole life. Um, for Navigator, it's a different league. It's a new language that he's having to learn as well. Maybe that has a factor in, in how he plays. Also, he's been asked to do a lot more defensively than he has been asked in previous clubs. That also plays a factor. So that role is looking for someone to take over it and... You know, Shakiri has had moments in that role being the link where where he seems to want to or he seems the most keen to take that role and really step up. So I think the the, the fixture looks coming up. It does allow for maybe a, a, a Shakiri who you, you wouldn't naturally want in that midfield three to be allowed um, to be part of more of the ball. He might not necessarily have as much defensive work as might be required maybe in the previous fixtures that players actually putting those performances down. Yeah, of course. Uh, and in, in terms of midfield as well, Tadewa, I mean, another interesting sort of aspect of it is, is uh, Henderson uh, clock confirming his injury today and he's going to miss um, the Red Star game tomorrow night and then of course the the Cardiff game at the weekend um, looks likely as well. And given the injuries there, I mean, we saw a little bit of Fabino um, on uh, um, so last weekend against um, against Huddersfield. Looked good. Actually, struck you as I mean, you must be shocking in training or or whatever because you need to have all the hallmarks of what you'd associate from a, a high quality sort of number six defensive midfielder um, with also the ability to burst forward when he needed to as well. Do you think this could potentially be Fabino's? Um, version of what we saw with Robertson and Moreno, where you know Moreno started the season very strongly, but Robertson got his chance following an injury uh, and just really took it and never looked back. Um, do you think that it, I mean, it's a bit bit different here with Henderson and the captaincy, of course? But you know, many people looked at that role and looked at Fabinho, looked at the money that was spent there, and you know, viewed him as, of course, the long term heir to that that position. Maybe then that was before we knew how Ginny was going to start the season. Um, but uh, do you think this is a chance here for Fabina to come into the side maybe tomorrow night and uh, at the weekend and um, try and establish himself? I definitely think it is a chance. Um, maybe he might not start all of the games 
happens, but he he will definitely be getting a lot more minutes, especially as you mentioned the injuries to Henderson. You know, Milner had that injury before the international break. Whether that flares up or not, you know, that also alludes to more minutes for for a Fabinho. I think with the Fabinho, because of the price tag, everyone was quick to you know to want to. To see you want to see your new, you know, shiny prized asset on the field and seeing why you bought him, so to speak. But I do think under a Klopp system, Klopp is very particular in making sure that his players do not expose everyone else around them. So you have to learn the system, you have to know what you're doing because if Fabinho isn't able to execute the role of the six in a club system, it means that maybe the eight, um, whether it's Genie or whoever's playing in that position, and the player next to him, maybe a Milner, they're going to have to do a lot more work than is actually required of them. And the whole fluidity of that midfield then collapses. So it's important that he learns that role. And it just depends how long and how quickly he can learn that role. Coming from... coming. Coming from Monaco, coming from the French League role, it seems, is a completely different role, and Klopp has alluded to it. It's a completely different role to what he has been used to um, playing that number six role. And he tended to drop a lot deeper than was needed for that role, and you know, maybe there are a few more things positionally that he needed to learn. But I do think it's coming to, as we mentioned, it's coming to that stage of the season where some of these games are coming thick and fast, so he is going to get minutes and afforded a chance to, you know, stamp his authority on the team. And also, I think it's a more favourable fixture list. You know, we sort of look at these fixtures and batches. We've just come from a really tough fixture list. I don't think it would have been fair, and I don't think Klopp thought it would be fair to throw him into those type of fixtures. Maybe he was saving him for these type of fixtures. Maybe they're where it's more friendly to him, he might not necessarily be required to do as much defensive work as required in the previous set of fixtures that we've come through. So in terms of Fabinho, I've never been worried, you know, when he was going to be thrown in by Klopp. I think Klopp has been afforded enough grace to know that when Fabinho is ready, Klopp will use him. If you look at, you know, contrasting Fabinho and other players in that position, Maybe look at Fred, for example, at Man United. He was thrust in from the beginning, and at the moment, he he he's barely getting a look in at um, at Man United. Do you want to take the confidence away from your prized midfielder, or do you want to slowly nurture him into the team where he can grow and then actually show us his talent? So I think second half of the season maybe is where we'll re- really start to see Fabinho stamping his authority. It's just a matter of acclimatizing him to the team, acclimatizing him to system, and I think these set of fixtures will help him with that. No, it should do for thought, for sure. I mean, it's it's not going to be as challenging as some of the ones we've had so far. You'd imagine he's able to ease his way into games a little bit more. I guess the impatience comes from, you know, you mentioned he potentially dropped deeper um, than he ought, he needs to now coming into the the Premier League. But I mean, for, for those of us who've watched Henson in the role, and, and I mean, the guy's practically on centre-backs himself as well. So I mean, you're looking at it and thinking, stylistically, is it that different? And then you look at Shakiri in the midfield as well against Huddersfield and go, well, you're definitely not uh, alive to all aspects of this system. <laughs> so I mean, I mean, maybe we can get away with it against sides at Huddersfield. And again, we might see it again this weekend. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure it looks like Klopp's perhaps uh, more willing to compromise the system against um, sides like Cardiff and Huddersfield, where he knows we're going to dominate the ball. So maybe that's going to be um, an interesting aspect for us to watch. 
Um, another point I wanted to sort of bring on to you before we actually get to um, your own prediction for the game, uh, Taliwar, is um, one player who I think stood out so far this season because I think people didn't have the expectations for him. We've alluded to him a little bit earlier on, um, but Ginny Wijnaldum this season um, seems to be in, you know, in in really great form. We saw last season uh, in bits and pieces, um, often in some of the bigger European games or in the bigger matches, when given more responsibility, when in a deeper role, um, he was much more involved. Um, seemed to really flourish in that role. Uses strength, uses athleticism in that role to establish himself and be quite an influential figure over the games. Um, we've seen that so far as this season. I think he's probably been um, our best midfielder. I think so far this season in terms of his consistency. Um, and again, injuries now going to hand him a what you'd imagine is a more a more of a prolonged um, uh, period in that starting. 11 as well um, what have your thoughts been of Ginny this season and uh, I'm, I'm interested uh, in what you think about if Fabino's coming into the team and that's the long term plan are we actually going to get to see Ginny a little bit more advanced or based on what we've seen does it uh, take away from his game yeah Ginny is quite an interesting one because if, if you watched him pre-season it seemed like he was trying to add more goals and trying to be a bit further up in um in the field or on the field and supporting the the front players. Whereas as the season started, you know, whether it's things that happened, you know, at the world cup and the load on certain players and maybe injuries and niggles, he ended up having to drop a lot deeper than maybe was anticipated. And he seemed to have thrived in that role. As, as you mentioned, he was very involved in games. There's always been the complaint that Ginny sort of disappears in and out of games or doesn't even show up in certain games where he starts. But I think in that six role, it forces you to be sort of the pivots of the team. You have to get, you have to demand the ball. You have to try and be open for a pass at all times. So it kind of helped him to grow in, in his importance and his status. He had to be open to receive the ball because that's what was required from that role. I think going forward, I do think maybe a likes of Henderson or a Fabinho stays in that sixth role and Genie become either one, you know, be one of the midfielders on either side of that that player in a midfield three. Um, whether his role then diminishes, whether he goes back into a shell again, that's going to be the question. And that's going to be interesting to see. But um, from a long-term perspective, as well as he has played, it seems like whenever the likes of Henderson are fit, it's, you know, Klopp does favour to rather put them there and move Genie somewhere else. So I think having a Genie that's confident, having a Genie that's available, because he seems to be arguably the most available midfielder we have, not just this season, but seasons gone past or last season. And I think... He's a useful player. He can play in any position in that midfield. He he could even play, you know, wide up front if, if need be. And we've seen him play centre-back in one game. So <laughs> he's one of those versatile players that he's going to be key this season. It's just a matter of keeping him consistent and keeping him... I, I think once he gets that release going forward, I do think that was the plan originally at the beginning of the season. And I think he's really keen to show that side of the game and I actually think and I'm hoping that he will actually perform better than you know how he was performing when he was being the six and being so involved in the games maybe he might not be as involved in the games but I'm hoping he'll be more influential 
if that makes sense. No, it does. I think it could be potentially an exciting evolution for Jenny this season, especially once the um, the likes of Fabino gets up to speed and, and and the more defensive aspects of the game are covered covered by him, Milner, who Henderson, whoever it might be. Um, it allows the likes of Jenny to move forward, uses that athleticism, the running that we've seen, um, to try and, I guess, um, mimic what we saw from Chamberlain last season to an extent. We've seen international levels, oh, he's, he's able to do it. He's um, certainly got plenty of talent. So it's going to be interesting to watch his evolution throughout the season, I think, for sure. So um, just to wrap up then, Tally, we got Steve's prediction earlier on. He's, he's predicting a 3 0 defeat. What would be your prediction for, for this game as well? Is that record of uh, not having conceded at Anfield since March in the league under threat or do you think it should it should be um, a, uh, a comfortable win? I, I think it should be a comfortable win um, especially considering the aspirations we have this season you you kind of expect and hope these type of games to be comfortable wins you know Liverpool at home against maybe you know a newly promoted team i think the only concern for liverpool will be the fact that there is a champions league game which will be played you know on on the 24th so does that play a factor as we've mentioned the likes of henderson Molner, cater even money they they all have niggles injuries of some sort to some varying degree and level whether they feature in those games or if they feature on the weekend and then after that there's that game of, you know, Arsenal the week after that. So it's just a matter of how Klopp manages the rotation, when he's going to use the players. But in theory, Liverpool should have enough, regardless of which team gets put out there, I suppose, as, Alisson, as long as Alisson is in goal. But we should have enough to, to, to see off a Cardiff team. And I'm hoping that this um, Champions League game will be the catalyst, like last season, where we played Man and it sees us get the goals and we're just going to ride that into the weekend get some goals for the front three I'm hoping the front three get to play together you know as much as possible over the next two games to try and maybe build that relationship build that confidence and if I was to guess a score I'm, I'm very bad with scoreline predictions but I would hope for a, a 4-0 would be good a 4-0 would always be nice wouldn't it yeah definitely <laughs> definitely would ease some of the uh um, concerns, which is it's weird to say that because of course we um, you know, look at the points total, look how we're performing. It's it's excellent. Um, yeah, as long as we can get this attacking rhythm, uh, rediscover it, and of course the the return of Mane um, and uh, as you mentioned there, should that front three play together both tomorrow and then on uh, on the weekend, that's going to be encouraging for sure. And sort of build up that partnership rediscover the muscle memory, I guess, of, of, of what they were doing last season. But um, anyway, Tadiwa, thanks so much there for sort of helping to um, discuss Liverpool and um, plenty of, sort of interesting, um, different, I guess, debates that, that we're having amongst ourselves now than we thought maybe we were going we to be having at the start of this season. But uh, it's been a really strong start, so hopefully that, that can continue. Just before we do go, I mean, Tadiwa, did you have anything that you wanted to, to plug? Um, yeah, uh... Just before this one, I recorded a fantasy podcast with some of the guys. Um, and yeah, it was finally, I'd been teasing all season when I was going to be playing my wild card. Uh, <laughs> I did finally play my wild card. So nice. um, I, I held it off as long as I could. And it almost worked out if Lacazette had, you know, taken one of his 754 chances. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it was a good fun podcast. We 
broke down you know um a lot of the strategies going forward some of the teams that have favorable fixtures and which players you should be maybe keeping an eye on getting cheeky bids on them and looking at a few players that could potentially be differentials based on how many players how many teams they've been selected by so far this season no yeah I definitely urge you to, to check that one out especially if you've been you've been lagging behind a little bit on uh on the fantasy league, I also played my wild card um, uh, last weekend. Um, and <laughs> nice, and I um, I happened to pick the other other card in the draw. Tadewa, I I went for Obama Yang. So last night uh, <laughs> I was That's actually uh, I was enjoying that for sure, especially Özil's little renaissance that he had, of course, um, against Leicester. But um, um, yeah, definitely urge you to, to check that one out, of course, and of course all the great content coming out on on AI Pro. Plenty of great. Um, content to to dive into, whether it be uh, from Sikhani Dow Galish, of course, um, uh, to the under pressure guys with all that ana- uh, analysis, or it, whether it be Jan Moby and Trev that you you particularly like as um, as well. So plenty to, to check out there, and and be sure to subscribe and uh, and give it a go. But um, anyway, thank you so much for for listening to the preview pod. We'll be back again next week, and hopefully we'll be talking about uh, a positive performance and. Uh, uh, some some great attacking football. So thanks very much uh, for listening, guys. Sports Social Podcast Network.